0: Another Way to Play, episode 121.
1: Leadership is not a place to be. Leadership is a lifestyle. And you don't determine if you're a leader. The people around you will determine if you're a leader or not. And I think when you park your ego at the door and you become authentic, genuine. Now, some people may think that you're being taken advantage of, or some people may say, well, that doesn't work for me, which is fine. But then there's others who are like, that makes a lot of sense. And I think what I try to do is this rule of 15, 70, 15, whether I'm teaching a class, speaking to a large audience or whatever, 15% are going to say, wow, this guy's just totally full of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. 15% are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need to hear. And 70% in the middle on one extreme is like, that actually was really bad, but there was a couple of good points he brought up too. There's some really good points here. How do I learn more? This is Sam Thera, Chief Motivating Officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina.
0: Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. Welcome back to Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina. And as you know, I'm a huge proponent of mindset and making sure that you are succeeding and winning when it comes to that area of your life. I'm really looking forward to sharing my conversation with Sam Thiara today. He's a professional who's created his personal journey as a storyteller, writer, workshop facilitator, problem solver, educator, and entrepreneur. He has a goal to engage individuals in their personal and professional development. Currently, he is the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. In today's episode, we talk about a number of different things, including his book, where he basically went on a journey to find his place in the world where his parents and his grandparents were from. Really interesting story there, so you're going to want to listen to the end for that one. But through the meat of this, we talk about a number of different things why he doesn't like goals, for example, and why he prefers something else. So I'll let you listen in for that. But also a lot of different topics around mindset shifts in your way of viewing the world and taking that from a very academic theoretical approach all the way into very practical because that's number one, how he works with his mentees is figuring out how to apply things practically on a day-to-day basis. So if you get some value out of this, please head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review because it really helps me grow and continue to reach another bigger audience. And then obviously gives me some wonderful feedback to make sure I'm continuing to provide you value as the listener. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's get into it with Sam Thiara. Sam, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you.
1: Thank you for having me and I look forward to engaging in a great conversation. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's just kick that off and talk about what you're doing today at Ignite the Dream Coaching and some of the other things you've got going on. Tell us a little bit about what your world looks like right now.
1: Well, it's a great place to be because what I always find is I get to build and go in any direction I feel like, as long as it resonates with five things that are really critical in my life. So You know, for example, I'm a lecturer, but I'm an applied lecturer. I like to tell stories in my class. At the same time, I'm a mentor and coach to many people. Equally, I'm an individual that is a speaker, storyteller. I'm an author, writer, blogger, and just a problem solver and what I call a community do-gooder, helping many nonprofits think more entrepreneurially and sort of gearing them up in that regard to just sort of say, okay, how can I help and support you? But really sort of actively involved in community and helping individuals and organizations.
0: It's interesting the way that you, you talk about that just now, but also on your website, you know, before we hopped on, I was, I was checking out some of your stuff and it's, it's one of these titles, if you will, that it's not easy to explain because it just took you a couple of, a minute or so to explain that but it's it, it doesn't come with a nice little bow on it, like a doctor or a lawyer or a real estate agent or whatever. and But yet you've got this really interesting sort of philosophy and some of the things we're hoping to get into in this conversation. Take us back where, to where your journey really began. How did
1: you develop and
0: cultivate this to get yourself into that sort of world?
1: Sure. And I always say that there are two parts. One is the mundane sort of I'm in the background and just unassuming and then spark hit. it ignited something. And next thing you know, this part of my life for the last 20 plus years, probably about 25 years has just uh, ignited something within me to go in all of these different directions. If you were to look at in the past, you know, high school and onwards. And in my first job, it was just one of those nine to five Monday to Friday. And all of a sudden, there was an awakening and all of a sudden it was like, there's more to life than what I'm doing nine to five. And I took a leap and as a result of that leap, never looked back and never had a regret.
0: Can you describe that sort of ignite moment, that spark that hit your kindling and just got you going? Because I think a lot of people, especially in the COVID age are really in one way or another, assessing their lives. Thinking differently in my line of work. People are moving to places they never thought they would move to, and obviously thinking about how that relates to their family life and their work and what have you. What did that look like for you that took you in this totally different direction?
1: Yeah, it was sitting there nine to five in a job that I could do, but it wasn't me. It was like the way I describe it is you go to a store and buy an off the rack suit, but it's a 52 short, and I wear a 42 regular. I could wear the suit, but it just doesn't fit. And that was the job. And then all of a sudden I was like, but what else is out there? And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I said, you know what? I want to go in a different direction. And I started going in a direction where people said, you can't go there. No one's going to hire you because you have no experience in that. Well, the long and short of it, Hans, is after a year and a half of going through the trenches to teach myself the opportunities, I moved from claims, auto claims into road safety. And that really ignited something in me to say, this is what really feels right. I now have a tailored suit. Equally at the same time, while I was doing this, I said, a lot of times we talk about what do you do? That's how we introduce ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the epiphany I had was instead of what do we do, who am I? And once I started focusing on who I am, I realized that there are five things that are guiding and directing me. And they've changed over the years, but it crystallized into five things, which today it's servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, community do-gooder. And once that crystallized, and like I said, they've changed to those now, but in the past they were different words. Mm -hmm. It suddenly allowed me to look at the landscape to say, yeah, where I am is not fitting. And now what does it look like? And when I started focusing on who I am, not what I'm going to do, everything just started falling into place as a result.
0: Do you think that those five things were always in you and you just had to discover them or were they cultivated?
1: I think that... It was there, but I needed to have that awakening to say, okay, so what are the things that really matter to me? What are are those things that I'm not willing to compromise? And the way I discovered it was a simple way of asking why. So I looked at when I was in university, what courses did I like and did I not like? Why was that? At work, what type of jobs do I like doing and not doing? Why? And when I started volunteering, what is it about these volunteer opportunities that matter to me? And just keep asking why. So I think that they were embedded in me, but all I needed to do was to find it. Oftentimes what I say is I mentor three to eight people a week right now. And oftentimes when they come to me, it's like I'm looking in a mirror because what they're asking me is what I was many years ago. And they see me as this orange saffron, bearded monk sitting on top of a mountain and you approach me what am I going to do with my life Sam and I'm going to say my son this is what you need to do my daughter here's some of the key things you need to do I wrote a blog post called the difficult monk I'm this person that I'm there to just ask questions and I ask questions of myself and I found my pathway so by asking questions of others I help them find their pathway and the realizations that they need to have the
0: act of really starting to uncover what it is you know your core tenants your your passion your calling whatever it is you want to call those things that sort of live in all of us in some degree is not an easy one like you said it was like a year and a half to go just in that pivot in your job the first time and then over the last 25 years you've been working on getting to where you are today how did you keep going when it was you know facing odds and having Your friends and family tell you that was a terrible idea. And, you know, I'm sure you had some setbacks along the way. Like, where did the adversity come from and how did you overcome it? Because there's no way that there wasn't some.
1: Oh, totally. And the way I always say is, I was listening to the noise around of what I should be doing. But when I switched it to listening to the voice within and activating the voice within, all of a sudden things started crystallizing. And that's where I think, you know, when I was switching from, claims into road safety a lot of the people around me that became the noise you can't do it you shouldn't do it what's the you've got a really good position here but inside I was like no there's got to be something more than this so I started listening to this voice within what matters to me where is this going to take me and Hans uh, six years later I mean I did the same thing again they offered a voluntary separation to all the employees at the company I worked at I mean and the noise basically said great wages, great benefits, pension, stability, you know, you love your job and you don't have a job if you leave. Well, I wound up again, looking at the avenues and saying, but there's got to be more out in that world. And I wound up taking a leap of faith for two words. And the first word was comfort. Comfort is what I call safe, but we stop growing as an individual. People want us to find comfort, family members, friends because it's what we know the other word is uncertainty because at times who controls uncertainty and i realized that when i take control and i control my own uncertainty it really helps me get where i need to go is it easy it's not you have to really sort of be very careful how you do this but tap into those who are champions and enablers who are there who aren't going to let you fall and they are there around us but you gotta just find the right people that are there to support us.
0: Man, that's those two words, the comfort and the uncertainty, I would argue are on the opposite sides of the spectrum. How do you use those two words to like make those decisions? Because it's it feels like you're either comfortable or you're uncertain, but you're probably not both, right? How does that apply for you?
1: Sure. Because what I found with comfort is even though I was in a road safety position for six and a half years and loved my job. Like I really got involved and engaged and found it was the first job I could say where I love going to work on Monday. But the challenge became with comfort is I just felt like I stopped growing as an individual. And that's why I started having another awakening, I guess you could say. But then my realization is that there's uncertainty by staying and there's uncertainty in leaving. By staying, they can move me where they want. By leaving, I don't have a job. But I guess the idea was by taking that leap, I'm starting to take control of my uncertainty instead of letting the situation dictate that level of uncertainty. But I think what's really important is having this sense of I'm going to be okay. And I think by in that sense, I think the idea is that if you feel like I'm going to be okay, because you start understanding who you are, like I said, the five core elements, it it wasn't that I jumped with an empty parachute I really felt like I had gained all this experience but what else is out there and the comfort was what sort of pushed me uncertainty was walking to the edge of the cliff saying I can look this way and there's uncertainty because they can move me where they want but there's this vastness of darkness but what is out there and I took the leap and it really did work out
0: as you were talking I was sort of Reminded of the most recent show I just released on this podcast uh, with Blake Haxton, who's a friend of mine, phenomenal athlete, but he lost both of his legs, one at the hip and the other from high above the knee to a like flesh eating bacteria when he's 18 years old. And he's now an Olympic or Paralympic rower and doing the, the canoe and kayak. And he was on the show and he was talking about choosing your constraints The classic concept in America is like we all want to, in entrepreneurism especially, we all want to be free. We want to have financial freedom. We want to have freedom of schedule, whatever. He took that and he's like, I'm not free. Like I'm never going to walk the same way I would have that I did for the first 18 years of my life. I have new constraints. But what he said, which really has been resonating me since was like choosing your constraints and what they can mean for you. And it's really been kind of rolling around and it seems similar to kind of what you're talking about as far as like choosing the uncertainty. It's on your terms as opposed to on your boss's terms or what have you.
1: Very true. And so I wrote a book recently called Lost and Found Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. And one thing I write about in there is when I was nine years old, my father had an industrial accident and became a paraplegic. Now at nine years old, you can't even say the word paraplegic and you don't even know what it means. But all I know is it meant he would never walk again. Now, and I think this is also a part which just sort of really activated something within me because the realization is this is what was dealt to us. And now I can't wish, hope, pray for anything else. We have to deal with what's here. And the realization we had was for me, two things. Number one is we never dwelled on the 1000 things my father couldn't do we then focused on the 5,000 things he could do. So he and I built a bedroom suite together. He was driving at the time, so we would go for rides. You know, he taught me plumbing, electrical work. So there was a lot that we focused on what we could do. The other realization I had at that young age, which I think materialized as one of the epiphanies, is the fact that there are no guarantees in life. And I'm not going to waste time on negative situations or negative people, that's going to impact me because you never know how many days we have, and it's not a morbid thought, but it's more of like, you know what, I just need to keep adding so much richness into my days. And at the end of it, I just sort of say, wow, what an amazing ride I had.
0: Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, he even brought this up. He's like, statistically, most of us are probably gonna make it 70s or 80s or whatever, especially in this country. I mean, Canada, I'm sure is similar, but it's, the point is like, you never know what's going to come your way. A car accident, a, your company closes and you get laid off. I don't know. Any number of crazy things can happen on a daily basis. And so, so really focusing on, to your point, like what you, what you can control, the uncertainty that you are going to choose and, and having it sort of at the core of your decision-making and Especially at those big junctions, I think is a really amazing way to look at it, and I I can't say that I've heard anyone totally talk about it with the comfort and the uncertainty at the same time. I think that's really really special.
1: Well, and if I could just add, I mean, what I really live by is what I call the hourglass analogy, and I wrote a blog post about this. Is an hourglass is a vessel of time, but an hourglass is very representative of our life. And when I wrote this blog post, I was twenty one thousand and three days old. If every Mm -hmm. grain of sand represents a day of my life, uh, 21,003 grains lie before me, under me, because Mm -hmm. those are ones Mm -hmm. that have been spent. But how many grains are above me? One, meaning tomorrow's my last day, 500, 5,000. We don't know that. All I know is every morning I wake up, a single grain enters this narrow chamber. And throughout my day, the people like you that I meet or the situations I encounter, the mentorship, the teaching, the ability to work on projects it adds richness to my grain of sand and at the end of the day that grain of sand drops below and I can say wow and I've chosen how I'm going to deal with that you know we can sit in a coffee shop and listen to someone next to you complaining about their boss or you know talking ill about somebody and I'm thinking but what if this was your last grain of sand and it's not sitting there in a morbid way thinking okay it's, death is approaching but it's more of just looking at it going like how do i want to deal with this and building that resilience in as a result of that analogy
0: yeah i think a lot of the times it's easy to focus on what you're giving up or what you don't have as opposed to what you do and the what you shared with your dad just a few minutes ago is like intensely powerful on that it's like what can we do as opposed to you know what are all the things that involve walking that we can't do with right now. I can't stress, I'm thinking if I'm the listener, but just frankly myself, like that mindset is one that has to be cultivated and created over some time. And it's, it does not, it is not one that can easily just be found, I think. So what do you work on with people when you're working with them in a mentor capacity to help them sort of shift into something like that, as opposed to the default, which I would argue is the person at the coffee shop Saying the negative thing about whoever.
1: Yeah. I mean, part of it is at number one, listening to what they have to say. And oftentimes they'll talk themselves out of a job or they'll, you know, say, Well, I don't know if I'm good enough. And I said, Okay, let's repurpose this. Let's focus on it from a different way now. And let's find out what are you good at and why not you and start putting that in there. Earlier, you spoke about a lot of people going through transition and, you know, through COVID 19 and You know, I spoke at a conference recently and I wrote about this. And one way that I sort of share this with a number of people and organizations is this concept of what I call care. There is such a tremendous need to care at this moment, which has emerged, which should have been happening all the way along. But care basically stands for collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Those are four key ingredients from an individual, from a small, mid-sized, or large organization. Collaboration. We need to work together to get through this. And whether that's COVID 19, even after, but collaboration means let's collaborate, let's work together. I even dropped a note to a former student today to say, I think I need you. Collaboration. Adaptability is this whole aspect of, you know, instead of focusing on the deficits, and we talked about this earlier, let's focus on the asset based thing. Adaptability is what have we got that we can then work on to shift and change and pivot. Resilience is this understanding and idea that we're not in a 100 meter dash today. This is a marathon and resilience, but we need to build resilience into this, into our lifestyle for the long term. And empathy is how we need to show care and compassion to each other. And that's sort of what I've sort of packaged, but equally at the same time, these are things that people, you know, when we have these conversations and they're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. It's so simple, but it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, you're right. You have packaged this in a way that does make a lot of sense and is something that I think when you take a step back and look at it sort of academically, for lack of a better term, it pencils, right? Mm -hmm. But then to put that into practice, like we were talking about before we hit record, is sometimes the biggest challenge is, you know, you then hit your normal day, you wake up 20 minutes late, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic, and then all that craps out the window, right? So how do you pull that from sort of that academic theory into, into practice, the care principles you just outlined?
1: Sure. And I think the, the reason being is there's no academic research behind it. It's just, I guess, when I look at it, these are things that just we need to be doing. But the whole aspect of, behind it, you know, but how do we build collaboration? How do we collaborate? How do we become adaptable? It's great to just say it. There are ways that we can actually build and implement these concepts to become part of our life. Because if you look at it, I think we are already wired for care, for collaborating, for adaptability, resilience, and empathy. But I think it's more of just sort of asking those questions to say, okay, if we're building resilience, okay, so what is your outlet? Like, for me, it's now woodworking, and I'm making a whole bunch of different things. Just I can sandpaper a block of wood for three hours and not not even know where the time has gone. So resilience, but how are you building resilience and asking questions and saying, well, have you tried this? What's your outlet? So I think the word conversation is really important in that we need to have more conversations with each other. And it's not a one size fit all. What are the needs that you have? But how can I support you fulfilling those in that care principle, for example?
0: Yeah, that's a a great example of that. I appreciate that we're getting to the end of the time and I'm just trying to think how we can sure. sort of tie a bow on this. And you know, it's fascinating to me just sort of this concept of, of care that you're bringing up. I'm because I, I agree with you. We all probably feel that that is real and that's right. But then we struggle to implement into actually see how this is going to affect our day, especially in the sort of capitalistic entrepreneurial society of most people who are listening to this show. Right. And so when you talk to your mentees about this sort of thing, like how do you get them started on sort of moving in this direction, even though there may not be data and, you know, case studies and this and that metrics behind some of this stuff, it's just something that we sort of intuitively feel.
1: Right. Well, and I think part of it is the fact that, you know, storytelling is such a powerful tool and there's so many stories of organizations that, for example, here in British Columbia, a brewery realized, wait, hand sanitizer is, you know, at a premium right now and running low. It's alcohol based. Why don't we shift our production to making hand sanitizer as well or other companies that have pivoted? So it's almost like what, there, are, there are examples that we can use and it's also making it into bite size portions. We're not saying you have to suddenly get flooded by this whole care concept, for example. And all of a sudden, you have to make these massive changes in your life. I always say taking the small steps and micro steps to do this is really one example. Like when I talk about collaboration, it's like as an entrepreneur, you don't just want to open it up and just give everything away to everybody. Collaboration means, wait, who are my key partners and who do I need to now reach out to that can actually support myself, but I think I can support them as well. And together, we are going to be even stronger so i think it's those little baby steps that grow into these larger opportunities that we shouldn't be afraid to do
0: and as you were just talking about collaboration my mind went to ego it went to the place of i can do it on my own you know i can be the self-made person or whatever i imagine this comes up for you a lot and frankly for anybody who's trying to apply some of this stuff like where does the ego fit into the whole equation like how do you work with it cuz I've found usually when you try and headbutt with it, it doesn't work particularly well. So how do you roll with it and have it still apply in this in this analogy
1: here? Right. I think part of it is I've always said personally, I park my ego at the door and then I walk into a conversation. It's very similar to this whole concept of let's say even leadership where you know, people are striving to this thing called leadership. And oftentimes I'll get people coming up to me saying, Sam, I want to be a leader. What are some of the things I need to do? What are some key ingredients? And my one thing I always tell them is leadership is not a place to be. Leadership is a lifestyle. And you don't determine if you're a leader. The people around you will determine if you're a leader or not. And I think when you park your ego at the door and you become authentic, genuine, Now, some people may think that you're being taken advantage of, or some people may say, well, that doesn't work for me, which is fine. But then there's others who are like, that makes a lot of sense. And I think what I try to do is this rule of 15, 70, 15, whether I'm teaching a class, speaking to a large audience or whatever, 15% are going to say, wow, this guy's just totally full of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. 15% are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need to hear. And 70% in the middle on one extreme is like, that actually was really bad. But there was a couple of good points he brought up too. There's some really good points here. How do I learn more? And I think what I accepted is that my life has to focus on that spectrum. And I can't change the world every time. And nor am I supposed to change the world in that regard. But all I can do is just support everybody and provide them the insights. And I've always said the fact that even this honorable aspect of wanting to change the world. And at a young age, I said, I want to change the world and I'm going to do this, but it became this aspect that the world is complex. The problems are complex. You can't change the world. And then I've refocused everything. And I talked about doing things in a small way. My realization is instead of trying to change the world through my eyes, I change the world through the eyes of the people I help. It's why I do three to eight mentorship meetups a week spending the time and helping them get where they need to go helping nonprofits because they see the world differently because of our presence and it's for anybody out there listening you may not have realized it but you have changed the world because someone else sees the world differently as a result of your podcast or the Mm -hmm. work you've done so you know try to change the world through the eyes of the people you support and help that's why i said ego is parked at the door it's not about me it just all sort of blends in together and makes it a better place.
0: That's really well said. I appreciate your time. I want to respect the rest of your day. And gosh, if we kept going, we could probably just keep rolling for hours here. So thank you for everything that you've shared, because this is really, really awesome. But I do want to transition us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every
1: show. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready. First question is what book have you gifted most often?
1: Besides the one I wrote, right? Well, <laughs> I would
0: tell say- us the one you wrote real quick and then give us the other one.
1: Okay. The book I wrote is called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. It's about my journey to India to find my ancestral root with just a photograph, very little else. And it was an epic journey in that regard, looking for a needle in a haystack and not knowing where the haystack was. But also finding myself and, you know, as a British-born Canadian with parents from Fiji and, you know grandparents from India, who am I? So that's the realization in that lost and found. But the other book I've always sort of suggested is The Storyteller's Secret by Gallo. And it really sort of helps people, not only, as I said in my other book, what's the last story you read? What's the last story you told? What's the last story you lived? It's all about that story you live. And how do you tell that story that you're living? So The Storyteller's Secret by Gallo.
0: That's awesome. We'll we'll uh, link up to both of those down in the show notes by the way. Sure. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: It may sound like a cliche, but I think Nelson Mandela and the reason I would really like to talk to Nelson Mandela is to understand persistence, resilience, and this not giving up attitude, like how many times Have we been in a situation where it was easy to just quit? Whereas, you know, he was locked up in prison for his beliefs. And, you know, how was he persistent and resilient and overcame all obstacles to be who he was? And I think that's what I would like to know.
0: And he did it with a good attitude, more or less. Totally. Yeah. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you
1: on? The fact that you don't necessarily have to have goals. Now, I don't mean you have to be aimless, but oftentimes I talk about that, I don't have goals, I have intentions. And sometimes, you know, there's a need to sort of walk away from goals because I find them very linear, very absolute. You know, you have to lay down your one, three, five, three, five-year goals, and if an opportunity emerges that doesn't line up with your goal, you give up the goal or the opportunity. Whereas the intentions, which are that five core elements piece I talked about earlier, that allows you to open up to opportunities if it lines up to what matters to you. So writing, for example, seven years ago, I wasn't a writer. It was never a goal and I wouldn't be a writer today. But when I switched to intentions, all of a sudden everything resonated.
0: That's cool. Anyone who's listened to this podcast for some time knows I'm a big goal proponent and have been for a long time, but I am currently switching into something closer to the intention side of it. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I am... I probably would have disagreed with you six months ago, but I am definitely more in your camp now. Sounds good. Maybe we'll have to talk about that offline at another time. We will. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day?
1: I like to get up early before the rest of the household is up. Check some of the things that are happening with priorities. Quietly, I like to work away. I'm also a letter writer so sometimes I'll just pen a letter to somebody that doesn't expect a letter pop it in the mail and send it off. My schedule is very wonky and varied but that's the way I like it and you know I just sort of look at it but then I get some downtime to actually go and do some woodworking or more writing but uh, it just is a very flexible day but I love getting up really early.
0: That's awesome. Sam this is this has been great. Really appreciate all the knowledge and all the thoughts and all the stuff you've shared with us, where is the best place online that we can connect with you?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of places. Uh, One is through LinkedIn, obviously, just uh, type my name in. Um, There's also my website, which is www.sam-thiara.com. Instagram, uh, Twitter, those are all places where you'll find me as well, and you can easily search me up.
0: And we'll make sure all of that is linked up down in the show notes in case you didn't catch that. So it's easy to scroll down and just click the links and there you go. Uh, Sam, appreciate you again. Thanks so much for being on the show. And do you have anything to share with us before we sign it off?
1: Sure. I'd like to just leave it with my signature quote that I use all the time. Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. And you know what? You're helping people tell their stories and helping them realize their autobiographies. And those who are listening, they're equally building their autobiographies as a result.
0: Perfect, perfect. Perfect. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Sam, the show notes is the place to do that. Head down there. You can find his website, his social accounts, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that good stuff, as well as the place to find his book. He sent me a copy of it, and I'm digging into it, loving the story and some of the lessons he's pulled out of there. So go check that one out. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Chief Snaw as well as at HansStrezina.com. So you can check out the podcast, some of my real estate stuff, anything I've got going on, one of those two places is a place to do that. And of course, if you got some value, please leave a rating and review on whatever podcast player you're on, because it really helps me grow and continue to improve and provide more value to you as a listener. So thanks in advance for that. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.